A young New York City couple was delighted. They went to open up their mail, and here this couple found a beautiful two tickets for a play in New York City at one of the uh, places for Broadway. And they set the date, and when they went, it was a delightful time. They went and had dinner beforehand and did the whole thing deal. But when they came back home, their house was ransacked. All the jewelry was gone. Everything was missing. And then on the bed was a note that said, now you know. That's why they got the tickets, so they could have their house broken into and stolen. And they're nameless thieves that come out, and some are, have names, that come into our world and basically create that kind of havoc that steal from us the truth of what God has given to us. And they represent themselves as truth-sayers, but in all reality, they are not. They're not preaching the true gospel. Peter, if we remember, was helping the churches in Southeast Asia first because they were being persecuted and they were being scapegoated by Nero in Rome and how they were to wake it through suffering and to know that they were child, children of God saved by Jesus Christ's grace and how they have the Holy Spirit within them to help them through those difficult times. But now Peter wrote a second book because they were being attacked by false teachers. Teachers who were coming in and teaching them false gospels and things that shouldn't hear. And it was a group of churches, not just one, but it was a group of churches that Peter ministered to. And he said that they were among them. And they were setting false doctrines and taking them away from the truth of God's word. And then today in our chapter, we see, you know, and we saw in the early part of the chapter, where in, in chapter 1, he talked about the necessity of the Word of God and how strong the Word of God and its authority is. And then he also talked about how God's sovereignty was in control. And now the second chapter, he talked about the different things that they would do. And he gives descriptions about them. And he talked about judgment, which people don't want to hear today. But if you remember the judgment he talked about, he said, these false things, these sinful things, God doesn't hold back. He judged angels. He judged the people in Noah's day. And he'll also judge, he also judged the people in Sodom and Gomorrah. And there was destruction that came. And so today he continues on. And he makes it very clear, this rampant, false teaching that was going on. And he points out to us three things today. One is that they're empty substance of which they are preaching. Number two, he speaks about the empty people that are doing it. And number three, the emptiness that comes when they live it out in their lives and they fall back into old patterns. So first he says to us, the empty substance. These are wells without water, clouds carried by tempests, by whom we reserve the blackness of the black darkness forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through the lewdness, the one who has actually escaped from those who live in terror. Peter gets pretty tough on these people. And it's because he sees them giving them empty lies. And we see that today too. It's very much prevalent out there today. These empty wells that come. I don't know about you, if you've ever had a time when you were really thirsty and you were hoping to get someplace and then all of a sudden you turn the tap on and it's dry. Peter says this is what they're doing. They're wells that look like they're wells, but when you get there, they're dry. Or like in our day, we have clouds that come and promise us of rain and then we don't get any rain. I can remember one time when I was in New Jersey, I was cleaning out my gutters. 
It was a beautiful day on Saturday, and after I got done, I thought, oh, I deserve a great meal, so I cooked, made a sandwich. It was a beautiful sandwich, and I put it on our little porch. We had a little porch that was about this wide, and we had a little table this wide for two people to sit at, and I put the sandwich down, and I went back to go get my drink, but my dog was very quiet, and I heard the jingle of his collar, and I went in, and that dog is still lucky that it was alive after I saw him with that, because he ate my sandwich. Well, I was so much wanting that, and it didn't deliver. And this is what Peter says these folks do. They're so bad that the blackness of the darkest, darkest part of hell is saved for them, Peter says. And we find him speaking about very plainly about these false teachers and what they do and how they deceive and how they falsely show us things that we don't need. And the religion that they give us on, for instance, TV is not a religion that's for God or from Jesus Christ. They may say those words, but their goal is not for Jesus Christ. It's for something else. It's a theology of self. And we're going to get into that in a minute. And here, the Apostle Peter says this darkness, this emptiness, it's a swelling of great words that they speak about, but they don't deliver on. How many times have you had it? Were there people who promised you something? Or people who actually have given themselves to you and say, I, I promise you this, and then they never deliver. And sometimes they're very selfish in their delivery. Here, Peter is speaking to that person this past week. Had a very tragic incident with somebody who had gotten married a year ago, but this person that they were married to knew a certain situation was going on in their life. And I can't tell you into details, but they had been working on this for over two and a half, three years, and never told their spouse that they had this going on in their life. Married the person because she... The man liked this woman and wanted to be married to her even though he wanted to live a different lifestyle. And he tricked her. And the other night I got a call because she found out about it and felt very deceived and hurt. And this person said, well, I did it to keep it from you because I knew you wouldn't be happy with me doing this. And so I kept it from you, taking away her choice to say she didn't want that part of her life. And he lied to her. And he deceived her. And he gave her false statements to lead her other ways. And this happens when we allow our selfishness over and our happiness over anybody else's. And what this young man had done, he made a commitment that he said he loved his wife and was willing to sacrifice anything for her, which, in fact, he stood before Almighty God and lied through his teeth and tricked her. And she's broken. And she doesn't want to be in this circumstance. And he did not give her the option. Because he was so selfish, he wanted her no matter what. And so he kept this from her. And this is tragic because she's broken. 
and doesn't know what to do about this commitment that she's made to him and she honors and he has not. And she came to me and asking me, what should I do? How do I deal with this deception in my life? One of the things the Bible speaks to us about is to be very careful in the decisions that we make. And also that as we go through life, there are false proprietors out there, people who will deceive and say things that are not true and will pull the wool over our eyes. And we need to ask the question, what do I do? And of course, I, I took her on and said, first we need to study the word. And then what we need to do is we ask ourselves the test. Test what he's done. Ask yourself, is this what God wanted for our marriage? And then also, how do I now regain my trust in him if I can? How do we live out a life? How do I live out a life faithfully trusting in God as I deal with this in my life? How do I hold on and walk? You know, there are people in the religious world who Peter are talking about here will talk some of that similar stuff to the point where they will make people think that they're religious and use that and in the end not be religious at all. You know, you realize that the thing called the Stockholm Syndrome, some people use this in abuse because what they do in abusive relationships is they continue to put the person down so much so that they take on the opinion of the person who puts them down and they feel like they're the one who's always wrong. And it's a form of abuse. And that anybody who says anything different that may try to help them get out of that is wrong. And here, Peter says, the freedom that they give is really bondage. They're liars. It has to be quit. And it's built on false promises. And we see that in our TV sets and we hear it on our radios. Of preachers who come along. And they speak some great words. They're eloquent in their doctrines. And they speak very nicely. And what they do is they try to bring you in with your emotions and the way you feel. And what they do is they build this faith and they surround it and say the words, Jesus Christ. But inside they're saying, you're the one. You can overcome. You're the best thing. And Christ wants to help you do that. And he'll, he'll ordain anything that you do. And it's not true. The Bible says that there are prescriptions that God gives us. And he puts around us. That he calls to come out of sin. And live for Christ. Not the other way around. And our appetites become drawn in by these preachers or by these speakers or these self-help books that are not helping us get closer to God, but helping us get what we want. And it's all built on selfishness within inside of us. 
rather than having our Lord Jesus Christ be Lord of our lives and we are obedient to him and we walk in his way and not try to get him to become our genie and to do what we want. See, that's the difference and that's the two kinds of Christianity that we're seeing in our world today. And then people wonder why they feel so empty, why they feel so sad, why they're disappointed that God hasn't come through for them. Because they're at the wrong Christ. They need to be the Christ that truly loves them and wants the best for them. And that he doesn't try to use their appetites to draw them in and make them feel good about themselves and their sin. But rather, that they stop their sinning and honor Christ and find that there's such an inner joy when you honor God with your life. And there's such a peace rather than satisfying your appetites and making, trying to make yourself feel good. And that's why we have, for instance, all these sayings in the world that are not true, that are religious-based, but that are not true. I had a person the other day say, well, I'm, it's going to all work out because everybody's a good person. No, none of us are good people. The Bible says we're sinners. And we need Christ's reformation to save us from our sinful self. And that we don't have to teach little children to bite somebody at the sandbox when they're not getting their toy. We don't have to teach them that. That's their nature, to be selfish and not share. Parents have to do a great job of teaching their kids not to be selfish, not to, to be wanting for just for them and, and kicking everybody out of the way. That's their old nature. And the Bible says that's who we are. And we need to have that changed inside of us. It's very easy to be selfish. That's our old nature. It's very hard to do God's will unless we truly live and rely on the Holy Spirit to change. There are people who go around and say, well, Pastor Dave, I learned that God helps those who help themselves. No, that's not true. God helps those who can't help themselves. We are sinners. We can't help ourselves. And the only way we're going to be changed is by Jesus Christ doing it in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We can't help ourselves. We're sinners. We want to do it our way. We want to do the Frank Sinatra's theology. And it's wrong. And... Oh, God will forgive me. He'll have to wink. He'll have to turn the other way. No, God will still make it a punishment to you. He'll, he'll, he'll let you know. He'll figure it out. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Of how people get themselves hoodwinked into thinking that their sin is going to be looked over by God when he's disappointed in you. He loves you. He's like a parent. He will help us see that. And that's where we come to the second part. He says, empty promises that people make. While they were promised them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they have again entangled themselves and overcome, they later end up worse than they were in the beginning. And Peter is saying to us, there are people who will come to church and they'll go to church and they'll act like good Christians, but they really haven't been changed in their heart. 
Oh, they can look good and they can sound good, but their hearts have not been changed. And oftentimes, they will show themselves and who they are later on. It comes out. I had a guy who I used to try to witness to over here at McDonald's on uh, Ridge and, and 21st. He was an interesting man. He was a retired man, but he told me that when he was stationed back in uh, Dodge City, Kansas, in Radar, and he said that what he would used to do, he had a guy that was kind of a religious guy, but he really just grew up in church, but he had a book that his mother gave him of all these sermons that uh, uh, she wanted him to read. And so what he did is he took the sermons, and every week he would memorize one. And then they would go down into the center of Dodge at the city hall or whatever it was. And he would start preaching and people would come out of the bars and stores and be listening to him. And then he would preach and then he'd give them an altar call and use it all. He didn't believe it himself, but he did that. And at the end, he gave an altar call and then he passed the plate. And they'd collect the money and then when everybody left, they'd go to the next town and drink it away. That's what the offering was for. And that's how they made their money. You see, there are people like that in our world who will use the Lord. There are people who are charlatans out there who will not speak the truth to us. They may sound good. They may even look good. But whether or not the truth of God has really entered their heart is another story. A Christian can't lose his salvation. If you truly are born again by Jesus, you truly will walk with him every day. Yes, you will stumble at times and you will stumble over things, but you realize that you are wrong and that you will confess it and you'll come back to the Lord and work on changing your way and have him and pray to overcome those ways. And that you know that the Lord is by your side every day. But this is where the, the rubber meets the road. There comes some times that we need to look deep within our souls and to see the trials that come in our way and the sins that are within us and confess them to the Lord and work on overcoming them through the Holy Spirit. You see, and what happens is when you are into a religion that I see Jesus as my genie who's going to help me with this, and then I'm not going to be obedient to because I want to live this kind of life. You're confusing yourself. You are conning yourself. And you're using God as my friend used God for liquor or money. That's what happens. Whereas when we truly know the Lord. And we truly want his way in our life. Those sinful patterns in our life, we get sickened by them. We feel revolted that we even did something like that. And we want to change because you have God's Holy Spirit inside of you. And you want to be different. You don't want to be that way anymore. You see, the Pharisees, Jesus said to them, you're whitewashed walls. He said, this cup is white on the outside, but you look inside, it's dirty as all get out. And that's how you are. Because you're going around showing people that you're these religious people and you're making it look good, but guess what? You're so far from that. And you're living a lie. You're make-believe. And you're not being truthful. 
And that then shows itself. How many times have we seen it? Last two weeks ago, Peter told us, God will judge. He loves his people, but he cannot stand sin. And he judged angels. He judged Lot. He judged the people. You know what? And the thing is, people don't understand. Is that when they sin, they think they're free. Now let me share something with you about sin. God gives us a free choice to make decisions in our life. All of us. It's called free agency. And when we have a sin set before us, an opportunity to make ourselves look bigger and steal or to, to hurt somebody or to, to, to get that revenge or whatever the sin might be, we have a choice. And the thing about sin is, and this is the thing that, that sin does not tell you, that your choice does not tell you, is that there comes a point when you make a choice that that choice, you get into it, but there comes a point when that choice no longer is a choice. And it begins to own you. And it controls you. And you no longer can pull back, but it owns you. Have you ever been in the river that you thought you could swim in and then all of a sudden it, you get in it and you start swimming and all of a sudden it picks you up and takes you and you can't stop? And then you're in, over your head and you're in trouble? This is what sin does. You see, we sometimes dab our feet in the water and sometimes we'll get in a little bit and we'll dabble with it and then once we get in it, that stream picks us up and starts carrying us and carries us to where we don't want to be. That's what sin does. And not only does it take you over, but then it takes you further than you ever wanted to and then it also takes you to the point where it costs you much more than you ever in your mind imagined. And then it's too late. And then it owns you. And I've seen more people dabble in little things and put their toes in the water and get out there a little bit and all of a sudden get caught up in the current and get taken away by their sin and that they never imagined they'd ever be in the spot they're in now. And it tremendously costs them, whether it be a family or their reputation or their lives or their, 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 their uh, integrity, or a relationship. You take, for instance, anger. And I can remember times that I'd have tirades until the Lord really made me embarrassed by it. And I used to make that choice and get angry. 
And all of a sudden, I'd no longer be just angry. I'd be in a rage. And then I'd go from that rage to saying stupid things and doing stupid things. And then later on, regretting what I'd done. I remember one guy, he had a, a rage fit in my car, and he took his phone and he slammed it up against the dashboard and it broke apart. And I thought, now how stupid is that? You need that phone for your job. And it cost him a thousand bucks to get a new phone. That was his rage. It cost him dearly. How many people does it cost dearly in relationships where people turn off to them and they don't want to deal with them anymore? You see that happen. I've seen that happen with people who start dabbing with a new relationship. Oh, she's just a friend. Yeah, just a friend. That's why you're seeing her at the cooler every day. Is that why you're going out to lunch with her every day? Well, you see her after work every day. What's that about? See, because he dipped in the water, like the water. I was comparing her to her wife, so she was much better. And so we did the lunch thing, and it even got better. And then we started meeting after work. And it cost him his marriage. Cost him his kids. Now he only sees them twice a month and on weekends. Why? Because he made the choice to go against God's will and obey the truth. You see, sin's tendencies do not disappear when we try to reform our lives. We have to have a holiness inside of us that conquers that desire for that choice and that we desire the things of God, His holiness. And when we have that holiness in us, as that temptation creeps in, we realize that we need to get away from us, separate ourselves, pull away so that we're not even near us, so that we don't get into that trend that leads us away from God and away from what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. That's what we need. That's what Peter's talking about here. And not listen to the words of some who will say, no, you've got to take care of yourself and be who you are and, and make yourself happy. No, 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 make God happy. Do Christ thing. Empty yourself of yourself and follow Christ and do his will. You see, because it only leads to emptiness in your life. Peter <laughs> draws a great analogy here. In fact, two of them, both from Proverbs. Would be better, would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than for them to know it and to turn from the holy command delivered to them. I've seen more people know what was right to do and chose the opposite way. And Peter is saying, do you realize that there are people who went to church who knew the right way but they chose to go another way. They, they might have been better if they were Chinese who didn't know anything about the gospel and about Christ's commandments if they lived in China than to have known it and turned their backs on God and just spit in his face. Because look what he says to them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit. A sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. 
And basically what Peter is saying is they've gone back to their own natural self of who they are, their own nature. Why does Jesus call us lambs? Because when we're saved, we're his pure lamb. And we don't want the filth and the dirt. But a dog will go back. And that's why God, that's why Jesus called the Pharisees dogs. Because they would go back to their vomit ways. And they would find laws, in, and this is the true religion, guys. They would find the law to circumvent the truth of God's word. Like, for instance, instead of loving their wives, if they got bored with their wives, they would trump up a charge and use Moses' command, not a command, but his thing where he could divorce his wife if something he finds an irregularity out of her and they would interpret that irregularity well she burnt the toast this morning for breakfast and so she's going out because I'm going to go down the street this little chick down the street's looking real good and I'm going to marry her that's how they did it it was phony and here Peter says the dog returns to its vomit and the sow for wallowing in the mire. You know, you can clean up a sow all you want. <laughs> the other day, about two years ago, I think it was, three years maybe, I was driving up here at, at Amadin and I saw a Ford 63 Falcon convertible. Beautiful little car. But there was a pig in the back seat, about 300 pound pig with a bow tie on. And I am like, are you kidding me? But no matter how much Peter says, no matter how much you dress up and clean up the pig, guess what they do? You get them out on the farm and they're back in the mud in the slop. And Peter says that same thing happens if you haven't had a heart change with Christ. You're going to live that kind of pattern of life. You're going to want to live in that. You're going to want to hold on to that and wallow. And we are living in a world today, folks, as we as Christians need to not wallow. We need not to go back to our vomit. No, we need to show that we are truly changed people. We're holy, set apart unto God. And that we just don't live it. And we do need to live it. One of the scariest things for me today is to what I read yesterday. Because we really need to show the world. We are in a time right now in America today where the moral values have dipped to an all-time low. We are, on a, 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 we are on a path. You know, people are like, oh, I'm so surprised the murder rate is so... Surprise! I'm surprised it's not worse. I'm surprised violent crime is not worse that we see people taking Chinese people and throwing them up against the wall, stealing their purse. What is that? Little innocent people taking advantage of them. Why? Because the moral values in this country are down here. I was reading statistics. George Barner made. He says, we've been on a 30-year decline in the moral values of this country. He said that in 1991, 86% of Christians had a worldview, a biblical worldview. 
And today it's 46%. That's 40 points drop. That in 1991, 70% of Christians believed the Bible was accurate in the word of God. Today it's 41%. We are on a tumble, folks. And we need to live it and tell our friends. Because it's a serious matter. Values are gone to boards. I've been stunned at some of the cases that I've been working with in the last month that have come to me for help. And you look at the situation and you're stunned that Christians or people who claim to be Christians act this way. And it's because they've returned to the vomit. They're not living for Christ. They're not walking in the Lord's way. They're living for themselves. And they think they're good Christians. And when you point it out, ooh, you're not a very nice guy. I guess I'm not. We need a society. We need our world to understand the truth of the gospel. No matter where we go, and, and whether it be in business or in school, wherever we go, you're going to be affected by it personally. You may even be personally hurt by it and get ripped off by it because of the way the world is. And you may be even ripped off by a supposedly Christian person. And that's why we need to show people how to live in righteousness and to walk in righteousness and tell them about Jesus Christ and that they need to have their hearts changed and to know him personally as their Lord and Savior and repent of the sinful patterns of life and follow his way. I had a delightful conversation yesterday. Watching the Yankees lose. And here we are watching the Yankee game. And my little 10-year-old grandson pipes up and he says, Poppy, what do you know about the devil? I'm thinking, I know a lot about the devil. He works on me all the time. And we start talking about the devil. And I talked to him, and it was amazing. His sister, who was six, he's eight, and his brother is 11. They were focused in. And we talked about how the devil works in the world and his demons work on us and how there's a system in this world. And I'm trying to explain to them about the system of the world when, because the Bible says the world, the flesh, and the devil, how it works on you to 
to try to draw you in to do bad things and how the system tries to manipulate us. And then we talked about their flesh. Your flesh, Poppy, what's the flesh? I said, well, it's inside your heart. And then I said, why do you like to hit your sister sometimes? Is that the devil made me do it? Or is it you just, she's grabbing some attention and you don't like it, and so you smack her? And we talked about that, and then we talked about the devil and his demons and what they do. Because they need to know this. Because they're living in that world. And it's affecting them already at grade school. And now we're moving into middle school. And some of you who had middle schoolers, you know what that's like. Because the next level is the sex thing. And all that other stuff. The drinking and all that that comes along with that. And there's a lot of temptation for those little kids coming their way. And for all of us. And that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to conquer and not go back to the vomit or go into the swallow like the pig. Let's pray together. I thank you, Jesus, for these, your people. As you send them out into the world, Lord, I pray that you'll fill them with the Holy Spirit. And that, Lord, that you will have them act in the way that is pleasing in your sight. They can truly show your righteousness with the way they live life every day. And that as they're filled with the Holy Spirit, not only live it, but to speak about it and talk about your love and your forgiveness. And I pray also to Jesus that as they speak, Lord, that they can show the truth in their lives. Watch over them this week, God, as, as the prowlers out, as you say the devil is a roaring lion seeking to devour us. Help us, Lord, to fight a good fight and not be afraid. And it's through you, Jesus Christ, we pray this. Amen. Please rise for the benediction. And now go in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, your Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. Love.